0: Mastermind Agent is proud to present the interview of the month club. Top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.
1: Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's rising agent is Wayne Salmons with the Salmons Group, in Wasilla, Alaska. Last year he closed 92 transactions with a total sales volume of 16 million. His average sales price was 173,000. 50% were buyers and 50% were sellers. He operated a team with two members, one buyer agent and one team leader. Wayne Salmons is the team leader of the Salmons group. He has been an agent for six years. Wayne successfully transitioned from being a new home construction framer to a new home construction sales agent. Last year he sold 92 homes by specializing in new home sales for builders. After major changes in Wayne's real estate market and personal life, he repositioned his business from new home construction to resell homes by focusing on internet leads for sell by owners, expireds, and his sphere of influence. Wayne's story is one of inspiration for anyone who suffered a personal hardship. During the last year, his personal life took over and he lost control of his business. Wayne shares how he overcame depression, refocused his mind, and rebuilt his business. Wayne describes his internet lead generation system, including SEO, Craigslist, Boomtown, pay and IDX. Wayne is tenacious at follow-up. He makes 40 calls per day. Wayne shares his scripts and dialogues. Listen to how he's using personalized video emails. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com that's free freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Wayne. Hi, how are you? Great, Wayne. Good to have you here. Let's go back for a moment and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. I moved out
2: actually when I was young. When I was actually 15 years old. I moved out of my house and decided to go see the world. Um, so I, I moved out and did relief work for several years and uh, until I was about... 19, and then I spent a year in uh, college, and then uh, on summer break from college, I took a a framing job to build some houses in Alaska. I thought it would be kind of a cool adventure, so I came to Alaska to frame houses for what I thought would just be a month or two and uh, never left, so I've been in Alaska ever since for about 10 years.
1: Why did you decide to get into real estate sales?
2: You know, I really wanted to get into investing, was kind of what appealed to me about real estate. And I thought, kind of being a realtor, was the back door to to kind of getting the good deals. I kind of assumed the realtors and, and people like that were seeing the best deals as they came on the market. Um, and I was just cold. <laughs> to tell you the truth, it was about minus twenty, and I was framing houses. And I realized that there was probably something better I could do with my life at that point. When you first got
1: started in real estate, do you think you had a fast start or a slow start? You know, it was a real
2: slow start to tell you the truth. I um. I started and I was, you know, I didn't have any support and I, you know, I didn't have any family support behind me or any kind of money in the bank. So while I was kind of trying to launch my real estate business, I was still working full time, um, building houses. And I was actually a contractor at that point. So I was working about 40 to 60 hours a week in my contracting business. And then, you know, 10 to 20 hours to 30 hours in my real estate business. So, um, you know, looking back, I would have jumped a lot quicker into full-time real estate. At the time, I just didn't know if the business was there. and I didn't really have a guiding hand. How long did you do both
1: jobs? How long were you part-time in real estate?
2: Um, It was actually about a year and a half to two years I did that. And it was just i was it was I was at the point i just didn 't have much capital living on my own kind of thing like that, and I actually had a suit hanging in the back of my car, and I would go to the job site and my my tool bags and everything else and if I got a call to show a house, I would change <laughs> change right there on the money job site, put my suit on uh, go show a house, and then I would come back and go back to framing so I did that. I did that for a while until that actually kind of was what really launched my career. Was because of my my builder background, I was actually able to pick up several builders and start representing them in their sales, and that's really when my when my sales started to take off.
1: Is that what happened? They recognized and saw that you were throwing that suit on out on the job site, and they asked you about that.
2: Yeah. Yep. That was a lot of it. And uh, my partner at the time, he we, we uh, you know we got along, but I said I don't want to do this anymore. So he kept building houses. And I started, you know, selling them full-time. And that's really what kind of helped me get my, get my feet out of the construction business.
1: Let's talk about where you're at. Where is Wasilla, Alaska?
2: Wasilla, Alaska, just north of Anchorage, Alaska, about 40 miles. What is the population there? Altogether, if you include the whole, what we call the valley, you'd have about 70,000. Describe your current real estate market. You know, we're in a pretty healthy market. Our average sales price is about 200 to 210. Um, you know, we had we peaked real, real strong, um, in 2007. And then after that, we've kind of slid back down a little bit and stayed level. So, um, we're, we're in a healthy market in the sense that things are, you know, things are selling. We haven't had a huge drop in value. Um, our issue is a lot of people that have bought within the last, you know, three to four years, um, their home prices have, have really almost stayed stagnant. So um, people can't really afford to sell. They're not necessarily you know, 20% underwater, but they may be a couple percent, and, um, and they just don't have the cash to, to basically get out. So we're seeing more short sales and, and foreclosures for sure. What's your average days on the market? Average days on the market are about 120. Do you have
1: a lot of REO and short sale there, or is it still mainly retail?
2: You know, it's still mainly retail. We probably have 5 you know, to 10% that is, that is REO and, and short sale kind of combined. In
1: that market, do you have a niche or a specialization?
2: Years ago, I just did um, all new construction, but now that's obviously changed. So it's mostly just resale, uh, single family, um, you know, in that, you know, 160 to 210 price range.
1: Could you give me the different ways that you're bringing business in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we kind of do a lot of different things. Um, you know, a big thing for me um, is my posting. I do. I have a website through Boomtown, who I'm sure you've heard of. Um, and we post a lot of our listings um, on on Craigslist, which generates a lot of buyers for us. So we've actually gone out and, and got agreements with other realtors to post their homes, you know, their listings on, on Craigslist. We get a lot of buyers that come from just the traffic on there, and then we follow up with them. Um, you know, I do a lot of cold calling. I use Red X. Um, so a lot of callings for survey owners expired. Um, and now we're doing even some pre-foreclosure calls. Um, and then number three, probably our, our third biggest, uh, you know, generator would just be, you know, our database, working the database, calling through our database. Let's talk about
1: each of those for a minute. The Boomtown site. That's an interesting name. Is that the name
2: of the site? Boomtown is actually just a company um, that we, we basically have a license to. They have basically a site where they do the IDX. And uh, the thing I love about Boomtown is they actually help us do the SEO side of it too. So they do a lot of the pay-per-click, all that kind of stuff for us, which drives the traffic to the site. And then there's a whole database built into the back of Boomtown. So it's kind of putting four or five different features all bundled up in a nice pretty little package.
1: Are you aware of what they're doing to drive business there? Or is it just happening all in the background and you end up with the result? About ninety percent of it's happening in the uh, in the background, and I just end up with a result. Is that an
2: expensive
1: product? Is it reasonably priced? It's about thirteen
2: hundred dollars a month. Um, and then on top of that, we do about five to six hundred dollars a month in pay-per-click advertising, you know, in our pay-per-click budget. So it is fairly expensive a month. The nice thing about it is that they're doing so much, you know, so much is incorporated into there. So when I first sat down and looked at kind of relaunching a new site a couple, you know, a couple of years ago, I saw a lot of people that were spending, you know, 10, 20, 30, $40,000 to build these sites. But what I noticed was they were kind of building them for um, Google in the moment, if I can say it that way. You know, they were kind of building this whole site, you know, trying to do the SEO and reach Google and all stuff, kind of where it was at that moment. What I found was, though, a lot of these sites, you know, six months or a year later, they were having to almost revamp the whole site in order to basically get that traffic again. So they're spending a ton of money up front when, as we know, the internet is, is always changing. How Google looks for sites is always changing. So I decided instead of spending this huge amount up front, I would just kind of you know, put that in a month-to-month thing and, and let these guys you know, tweak their system as, as things changed.
1: Are they a local company? Um, nope, they're
2: national. So they're all over the place. BoomtownROI.com, I think it's their website right now. And they have, you know, the whole database is built into there, which is why it's great for running a team and things like that. Because you're able to look in that, um, into the Boomtown site, It shows you how the leads are coming in, how fast they've been responded to, you know, how long is it taking the agent, um, you know, to respond to a lead, how often are they calling them, do they have to do set, all that kind of stuff. So it helps me handle accountability.
1: Does it have email drip systems on the back end?
2: It
0: does, yeah.
1: What other features does that site have? that you think are attractive and valuable that somebody should know about?
2: Um, I think probably just the platform. You know, if you go and look at my site, which is um, uh, akhomehunters.com, you'll just see that the searching in the platform is phenomenal compared to other sites. So in other words, like when you're searching on on our site, it's not jumping you from page to page to page. As you kind of put in your criteria um, and the homes pop up on the same page. So in other words, you're not going four or five pages deep as you're looking for houses. It's all right in front of you, so, which, which we find buyers really appreciate. So they, they can do their search, and as they're doing their search, it tallies up how many matches they're going to have, and then automatically shows those matches on the same page while they're doing the search. So we find you lose a lot of buyers and when, they're doing, when they have to do all this clicking. Eventually, they get frustrated and go to someone else's site. What we found is with ours, because it's all on, on, the, on the same platform the same page, they're not having to do a lot of moving, so they stay a lot longer. How are you turning these visitors into leads? <laughs> that that is the magic question. Um, you know, I sat down um, and have learned a lot from Ben Kinney, who's a, you know an agent out of Washington, and he kind of modeled what his team was doing. And they were really aggressive with their leads, and it was kind of uh, something that I hadn't experienced before. But you know, he's kind of sat down and said, hey, you know, if you call your lead within the first five minutes, your your, your chance to convert that lead are almost a hundred times better than if you call them even half an hour later. So with our leads, we're calling them almost immediately. We're calling the lead basically while they're still on the site looking at the homes. So instead, in other words, instead of waiting for them to look at their homes and then go start dinner, uh, we're trying to reach them while they're still sitting there looking at the homes in the moment, basically. Um, and if we don't reach them, we call them and email them for the next ten days until we, until we reach them. Let's break that down into
1: little bitty steps. Somebody goes to the website. They're looking around. How does it go from there to the point that you have a phone number to call them or an email address to follow up with?
2: Yeah. So say that they, you know a lot of our leads come through Craigslist. So they'll click on the ad on Craigslist, and that'll take them right to our landing page that's showing that house. And at the same time, it's also showing homes on the other on the other side of the page that's you know basically similar homes to that one. So that lead, generally leads them to, you know, looking at another home. After they've looked at two homes, then it requires them to register if they want to see all the details. So you
1: require registration? Correct, yeah.
2: yeah. And, and we, we don't give them a long time. You know, some sites, you know, let them look at five, ten houses. Um, we basically, on the second house, if they want to see the details, they need, to, um, they need to subscribe. They need to register. What kind
1: of information are you asking from them in that registration? Name and phone number and email. How many do you find are accurate and, and not a phony name? I would say only
2: about 10% are phony names. And then about probably 15% have phony phone numbers. And then um, our emails are usually pretty accurate. So even sometimes they'll put in a fake name and a fake phone number, oftentimes the email is, um, is accurate.
1: So it's not a double opt-in system where they have to put in their email and receive an email back and click something to register? No. And so even with that, you're still getting very accurate emails.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of people are expecting it to be kind of a double opt-in, you know, because I think that happens a lot. So I think that's why people are more prone to put in a uh, an accurate email address.
1: Once they put their information in the register, they're still looking on the site. And what happens? That information gets to you somehow.
2: Exactly. Automatically, that information gets texted and emailed to me. Okay. So your phone starts going off. Exactly. And then at that point, I will... Uh, uh, drop whatever I'm doing <laughs> and and you know, I'll usually give them a minute or two and then call them right back What kind of script do you use when you call them back? You know, basically I just say Hey, this is Wayne Stallings with the Stallings Group and I saw that you were looking on our site uh, Just out of a courtesy to you I just want to call and see if you were finding all the information that you wanted on the home you were looking at here at uh, you know 231, you know East Avenue Okay, and they say yeah and they typically say, oh, "Yeah, we found out." Say, "Okay, well, you know, since you're on our site, you're obviously interested in looking at homes. Um, you know, can you tell me what area you're interested in purchasing in?"
1: The East Side.
2: Okay, they say, "Yeah, that's a great side. We've actually have, you know, I can see there's, you know, about 20 houses on the East Side right now. Um, what price range are you hoping to stay within um, for your purchase?" Between two and 250. Okay, two to 250. That's a great price range. We've got a lot in that price range. Hey, just out of curiosity, um, do you guys currently rent or own a home right now? We're currently renting. Okay, great. So, you know, you're looking at homes. Are you currently in a, like a long-term lease or a month-to-month lease?
1: If we were in a long-term lease, but it just went month-to-month, and so we're trying to decide what we want to do.
2: Oh, wonderfully. So ideally, if we found your, uh, we found your perfect home, we were able to like, get into it in 30 or 45 days, huh?
1: I sure hope so, because otherwise we're going to have to sign another long-term lease.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I can help you with that.
1: Um, hey, by the way, how long have you guys been looking for your new home? Oh, yeah, we've been, you know, poking around, I don't know, maybe six months thinking about it. And the last couple months we've been driving around. Okay, the last couple months you've been
2: really kind of getting intensified about it. Um, how many homes have you actually seen the inside
1: of? We've been to a couple open houses and a couple builder lots. But, you know, so maybe we've seen five or six homes.
2: Okay, okay, great. So I assume right now you're just kind of calling signs and you haven't actually signed the agreement to work with uh, with any particular realtor. Is that correct? Oh, no, we, have, we haven't we have done that. Okay, great, great. Cool. Well, I know that, that that neighborhood is really, really nice, and I assume you guys would probably like to look at a couple of these homes in there. Um, have you guys actually been pre-approved yet or looked at a mortgage? Or are you guys planning to purchase with, uh, with all cash?
1: Well, we probably can't do cash. We'll probably need some financing, but we haven't. You know, we did one of those calculators online, but we haven't talked to a lender yet.
2: Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, those can be really helpful in the beginning. to to kind of help you establish where you want to be. Well, hey, one of the things I really want to avoid is showing you homes that are out of your comfortable price range. So would it be okay if I had my lender give you a call this afternoon and just kind of verify uh, where you guys want to make your payments at? Is there any cost to that? Um, Nope. That's something that's just offered to you. And, you know, we can talk about when we meet here next week, hopefully, we can talk about kind of shopping some lenders and what you really want to look for. But just that initial call will help us just kind of get a good idea of where you really want to stay within as far as your purchase price so you're not, you know, stretching yourself uh, more than you want to. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, What's the best number to reach you back at? Blankety, blankety, blank. Okay. And then after that, I would just say, well, let's let's tell a little about your home criteria. And then I would run through my criteria sheet and uh, close for the appointment.
1: So your objective is to get them into your office as opposed to meeting them at a the house.
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, basically what I, my script typically is, um, you know, based on the information you've given me, um, here's what I recommend for us. Let's, let's meet as soon as possible, maybe even tomorrow, um, and see if we can't uh, sit down and get into two of the three of these homes. Uh, what time would it work for you guys to come by my office? You know, is two or five o'clock better for you?
1: You're trying to do two things. You're trying to set that appointment in your office, and in addition to that, then you're offering the carrot of going out to look at homes afterwards.
2: Exactly. Because nobody just wants to meet with me for fun. <laughs> you know, they, they want to look at house. Well, I'm not that fun to hang out with. You're trying to set up this initial interview, this buyer presentation. How long will that take? You know, that buyer presentation is vital to me. Um it's just so important that I get in front of them and I'm actually walking through those steps and helps me you know work with the five or ten serious buyers this week instead of you know hundreds Um, so I sit them down we walk through the full buyer presentation and it usually takes you know about 15-20 minutes Um, and basically at the end of that you know I walk them through you know okay what are your wants and needs and we kind of evaluate the difference between you know, a you know a feature and a benefit so a lot of times um, you know, people online will say, you know, I want, you know, a two-acre lot and, uh, you know, 2,400 square feet. Well, it's really important for me to find out what's what's the benefit they're looking for, you know, because the feature can be really distracting. You know, I can be looking for a two-acre lot, you know, and, and never find one when all they really wanted was, you know, some, a finch jar for their dogs. So it's really important for me to figure out, you know, you say you say you want two acres, what's important to you about that? You know, how does that benefit you? Um, So in that presentation, we kind of go through and find out the four or five things that the benefits they're looking for, which really helps me down, you know, what homes we're going to look at. And then at the end of that consultation, I'll say, hey, you know, I, you know, I'm going to ask you to commit to me and I'll commit to you. And basically I walk through a buyer loyalty agreement um, and I typically have them sign that or I say, hey, after we look at the first couple homes, if you feel comfortable with me, this is, you know, the form I'm going to ask you to sign. Basically, you know, you're going to commit to me and I'm going to commit to you to be, you know, to be your realtor. And uh, that just, you know, builds that loyalty, kind of helps them understand, hey, I, you know, I would get paid commission and kind of avoids the stress of them going finding for a owner on the weekend. Do you practice buyer agency there in Alaska? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we do buyer representation.
1: Correct. And so you're presenting that to them in that initial meeting, but you're not asking them to sign it?
2: If I feel it's good, especially if it's a referral, they'll sign it right there. If it's the first time I'm meeting them, you know, it's kind of a cold meeting, um, I'll usually ask them to sign it, you know, after we've worked at a home or two, after I've built some rapport with them,
1: basically. Let's get back into the different ways you generating business. We were talking about your website. You mentioned Craigslist, and you said that you're having a lot of success there. What are you doing on Craigslist that's working?
2: Hosting our homes is obviously a great thing, and then the fact that it drives it straight—you know—once they click on that link, it drives it straight to the house they're looking at. So we found that's been really successful instead of driving them to just a standard, you know, kind of drop page. You know, tell us what they're looking for. So seeing this specific house has been really important. And then the other thing we um, do—you know—that's basically what we do for buyers. And then for sellers, we often go in. Um, and get a lot of for sale owner information and put them on a drip campaign. And we find that, you know, the most information about our stress-free listing um, and things like that will generate a lot of, you know, for sale owner leads to us where they're actually calling us before we're calling them.
1: Let's focus on the Craigslist on the buyer's side. What information are you putting on the ad in Craigslist that's causing them to click and move over to your website?
2: That's one of the nice things about Boomtown is that they actually pre-write that for us. So in other words, it's already pre, pre-scripted. They grab the information from from the MLS and they put it on there with just one picture of the house um, and, and it, it works. <laughs> so basically just has a short description of the home and it says, uh, you know, it's beautiful details and all the photos click here.
1: So to get more information, more photos, they'll click. Are the listings that are being posted on Craigslist, are they your listings or are they the listings in the MLS?
2: We've had some debate in Alaska about that. <laughs> and um, so basically what, what our MLS has come to an agreement on is I can only post other licensees' listings that have agreed to let me do that when it comes to Craigslist. Obviously I can have all the listings in my IDX feed, but when it actually comes to posting on Craigslist, I have to have a mutual agreement with that, with other agents.
1: Did you go out and create those mutual agreements with other agents, or did you decide to just post your own listings?
2: I went to other agents just because I wanted to not have the same twenty, thirty listings posting over and over again. So I went to about you know ten different agents, and about seven of them have agreed to uh, you know so where I can post their stuff and they can post mine, which is really a win-win at the end of the day. So we're all getting you know, better exposure and, uh, and more calls.
1: That was my question: how you would convince them it was okay you allow them to post your listings as well. Exactly,
2: yeah. I usually have the most, so
1: (laughs) they were all agreeable. (laughs) And Boomtown has a way to get into the MLS and download your listings as well as the people that have agreed to allow you to use theirs.
2: Exactly, yep.
1: Yeah, we just put in our state
2: IDs and uh, (laughs) Boomtown does it somehow.
1: (laughs) Can you give us some perspective? Do you know how many ads you have out there right now and how many leads that's generating per week or per month sure
2: um you know we post about um three to five listings a day so we're not i'm not posting tons every day um and then i can i'll pull my stats here really quick so you can see it but we get you know several uh, like last month we had we had about 150 leads last month so just basically from that posting that's pretty good that's five a day
1: yeah so you're posting three to five a day and getting three or five leads back Correct.
2: Yeah. And of that, you know, we had about 1,500 visitors from that. So of those visitors, you know, only about 10% are actually filling out all the information. So when you say lead, you mean they register? They register. Correct. And then you're gathering
1: all their information. Then you're going to start contacting them in a follow-up program. Exactly. Let's keep talking about marketing. You mentioned your database. Who's in your database?
2: You know, we've got a pretty large database. My database is about 5,500, somewhere in there. Um, and of that, about six to 700 of those are actually met. So they're actually people that I know um, and, and work with um, on kind of a regular, you know, there's someone that I've at least had, you know, two or three conversations with. There's someone that, you know, if I met them at Walmart, I would say hi. Um, and then the rest of those are mostly um, leads that have come in. Um, They're kind of our our unmet, you know, so the farm area. Anyone that's basically registered on our site, anyone else would be an an unmet.
1: And then do you have different follow-up programs, depending on whether they were met
2: or unmet?
0: Yeah, um, you know,
2: with our Mets, we'll call our Mets at least twice a year. And with our Mets, we're emailing, they're getting at least an email a week, basically. So we send an email out, you know, kind of about the market stats. And then we send one out, you know, maybe the next week, just about something fun, you know, something that's happening, something maybe informative about, you know, this is happening in the valley, um, you know, this event's going on. Then typically our third email will be, you know, Wayne sold this house or Wayne listed this house or, you know, Wayne's buyers need this. It has something relevant with either something we've sold something our buyers have bought or if we have buyers that are looking for something and that generates a lot of listing you know kind of energy for us and then uh you know the fourth email may just be a you know kind of valley-wide update you know here's what's happening in the valley as far as um you know the prison is getting built or you know whatever that would be so a community piece correct yeah how did you
1: establish this list of six to seven hundred people that you've met
2: those are people that have you know bought a house from us sold a house from us they're in my sphere of influence, maybe they're a supplier. Um, you know, Anyone that I have basically a relationship with <laughs> gets in the database, doesn't matter, doesn't matter you know, what our relationship is, but if I've talked to them or uh, you know, if, if they've been maybe a supplier in the past or, or something along those lines. What type
1: of information do you try to gather from folks when you're putting them into your database? You try to get their name, do you try to get their address or phone number, what, what are you trying to gather?
2: Yeah, name is phone Number obviously the first, and then the the third for us would be emails, and the fourth would be their mailing address.
1: Is there a place for you to keep additional
2: notes on each lead? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll put notes in there where they came from. We, you know, our database is through top producer, so we're able to assign them uh, where they came from. Is this a prospective buyer? Is this a sphere of influence? Is this a core advocate? We're basically able to tag that that prospect or that that lead or that met as many times as we want. So some of them will have, you know, one tag, you know, listing prospect. some of them will have four or five. So listing prospect that I know, um, you know, that came from Boomtown or whatever.
1: And then you're going to contact them. Your primary methods, of sound like, were a phone call and email. Do you send out direct mail or any other way to contact these folks?
2: You know, direct mail is something I should up <laughs> on. I don't do hardly any direct mail. Um, I I send maybe one to two pieces a year, and I know that I need to do more of that. I just haven't. Uh, I've relied really heavy on on phone calls, and I found that just to be really effective. And, you know, at the same time, it's not necessarily expensive for for me to spend an hour or two. Usually I'm driving to Anchorage or back and forth, I'll I'll have my database sheets with me, and I'm calling through my database all the time. So every day I'm typically calling um, 30 to 40 uh, people in my database, just touching base with them. Do you
1: typically talk to those folks, or do you end up with their voicemail?
2: You know, the 40 people I call, you know, basically every day, I'll probably reach, you know, 8 to 15 of them. So it's not a lot. With the other ones, I'll leave a message.
1: So you will leave a voicemail when you don't have someone answer?
2: Yeah, exactly. What do you say in that voicemail? Most of these people have heard from me, you know, quite a bit. So usually the voicemail is just, you know, hey, this is Wayne Sounds, you know, or driving down the road or just thinking about you guys i um, going off here to, to sell a house, is, you know, I'll say, you know, I'm going to sell, you know, this incredible deal or this duplex that's over here on Eastside. Um, just wanted to touch base with you guys and see if you guys had any real estate needs uh, this summer. Hope you guys are doing well and uh, catching big fish, you know, whatever it is, I'll throw something along those lines out. And it's basically just a touch, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to say, hey, this is Wayne. Um, first, I want to communicate that I'm busy selling houses. Um, and then, you know, thirdly, just, you know, want them to know that I'm here thinking about them. Do you ever ask them
1: for referrals to other people or do you asking them direct for business from them?
2: Twice a year, if, I, if I'm able to reach them twice a year, I will um, ask them, you know, I'll kind of do a hard referral ask. And that's, I use a, a script basically that I got um, from doing uh, a, a Keller Williams Bold class a little while ago. And that script basically goes, um, you know, hey guys, this is, uh, this is Wayne Somers with, you know, Alaska Venture Realty here. Hey, do you have two minutes to help me with a problem? And they'll say, yeah, sure. And I'll say, hey, I, you know, I'm, in, I'm taking a class today or you know, I'm in a competition and I really need to get at least 10 more referrals this month in order to win. And I was just curious. I know that you know a lot of people. And I was wondering who you know, maybe even from work or church, this thing about buying, selling or investing in real estate that I could call today. And then you know, they'll either say, yes, I do or no, I don't. And I'll say, great, you know, thanks for thinking about that. Um, if you do think of someone in the next week or two, the thing about buying or selling a house, would you please have them call me? I really appreciate you sending me their referrals.
1: How often does that result in a name or a referral?
2: Um, if I get the people and I ask them the question, it usually results really well. Um, you know, especially if I kind of give them a second to think about it, <laughs> they'll usually they'll usually say, "Hey, you know, I was thinking about this guy. Um, I don't have his number, um, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you." So typically, when they say that, I'll need to call them the next day and say. Hey, you mentioned, you know, John at work was thinking about buying a house. Did you happen to get his number? So a lot of times I'll have to follow up with him the second time um, to actually get the information. But usually it's usually been really effective. And then the second time I call him that year, um, I'll say, hey, you know, several months ago you helped us out. I really appreciate you. You know, I know you thought a lot about, you know, sending us a referral and who you were thinking about. Um, You know, now we're, we're in the same competition again. And I was wondering if maybe now you know somebody. So I'll kind of piggyback on on the fact that they were so willing to help me before.
1: So you'll ask for a referral from them twice a year?
2: Yeah, and that's kind of my hard ask. And then every other conversation I have with them throughout the year is more just letting them know that I'm busy selling homes and not not asking quite as hard. How are
1: you generating seller leads on Craigslist?
2: With Craigslist, I will actually kind of go and data mine their information. So I'll get their emails if I can from Craigslist or even just a Craigslist email that you get. I'll kind of compile all of those, and then I do a mail out through MailChimp, and I'll basically set them up on kind of a drip, and in that drip, they get my um, my no-hassle listing, which basically breaks down kind of my listing commissions and how I handle percent of my owners. And then kind of my touches after that are just offering them stuff. Hey, would you like, you know, the 10 tips to, um, you know, getting your home sold faster? the five things you know to avoid when selling your home. So for about eight weeks, I'll kind of do a drip campaign on them, always offering them something of value. But the thing that really gets a lot of interest back is my, my no hassle guarantee that I do. And that was something I got from um, a, a friend in the Northwest. Uh, I think Bruce Hardy was the one that first introduced that to me. And I call it the stress-free listing. And basically what that is, it breaks it down to variable commissions. So it says, hey, you know, you know this is a stress-free listing basically includes a variable commission rate you only pay one percent as an owner if you bring the buyer and i just do the paperwork i only charge four percent if i procure the buyer so in other words if it's my listing and i bring the buyer which happens about 30 percent of the time i'm only going to charge you four percent to close this deal and of course it's six percent if i list the house and someone else brings the buyer obviously three percent to the selling side three percent to the buying side and by the way, if you find a buyer and you just feel like you don't want to use me at all, it's nothing. You can fire me at any time. And by the way, you can cancel the listing with me whenever you want. If you don't feel like I'm doing a great job, you can cancel this listing, and it's not going to cost you anything. And then, I, then at the end of it, I ask for a uh, you no-pressure know, no presentation where I can show them you know, what I do differently than every other agent in the area to, to get homes sold.
1: What you're using Craigslist for is to find sellers who have listed their properties for sale by owner. Then you're going out with the drip marketing campaign, which includes this stress-free listing program. Correct. Yeah. You said you go out for eight weeks. Are you emailing once a week or more often or less often? Typically, I try to do at
2: least twice a week. So, and and some of those are as short as, You know, hey, did you get any buyers this weekend? Um, You know, hope it's going well. Um, Sometimes they're really short, but at the bottom, there's always an offer for them to get something of value from me.
1: What would be an example of getting something of value?
2: The 10 things to do to get your home more marketable. uh, You know, like I said, the five things to do to, you know, avoid when selling a house. You know, just any tips like that.
1: So these are tips or free reports?
2: Free reports,
1: when they click on that button at the bottom to get that tip or free report, are they taken to your
2: website? Basically, the way I've done it is I have a bunch of forms filled out through um, Wfu. That's actually who I use. And that's W U H O O. And through Wfu, you can build forms. And basically, they're just kind of templated drop pages. They drop. They have to you know enter their information, and then it sends me an email to send them that to send them that request.
1: So you're notified that they're requesting this. And then you manually send the report out. Exactly, yeah. And that gives you an opportunity to build a conversation or talk about something else as well.
2: Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's probably a more efficient way to do it, but I want to have that conversation with them. You know, I kind of want it to to trigger that, hey, they're interested. And I'll obviously call them and say, hey, just sent you that report. Did you get it? Let's chat.
1: The form itself, it's in your email that you're sending
2: out to them. Right. But oftentimes the email that I have, or at least sometimes it's not a good email. So in other words, and what I mean by good is, you know, a lot of Perseverance owners will build kind of a second email for their, you know, for their Perseverance owner thing or, you know, for junk mail or something like that. A lot of times it's not their best email address. So I, when they fill out the roofing form, they're typically giving me their best email address, um, which is what I want. I want to really, I want to make sure that I have the best way to contact them and their phone number up. And that
1: form is in the email that you sent out to them, or is it on your website that they clicked into or linked into?
2: There's a link to the form, and the forms are actually hosted on WooHoo.
1: So at the bottom of the email is a link, but it's not going back to your website. It's going to WooHoo.
2: Right, just that landing page where they have to fill out their name, you know, phone number, um, and email address. And then typically they have to put their address in as well.
1: So you have their email address. You've sent them an email but that was based on what you pulled off of Craigslist. They're now clicking, going to Woohoo, and they see a landing page, a form. They fill it in, and at that point, they might give you a better email address, and you are then notified that they are requesting information, and you start a new type of contact or follow-up. Exactly,
2: which is the personal one, so that's when I'll make sure I call them. And then once they click send on that form, it'll it'll drop them on my website, so... Um, at least they, they get there eventually. <laughs> and then do you try to call them
1: back within five minutes of you getting that
2: lead, just like you do with your buyers? I will. I mean, they're not, it's not as important to me as a, as a buyer call, but I definitely will call them back as soon as I can. Basically the leads I get, you know, for the leads I get from Red X and places like that, I'll treat them the same way. So they all kind of are on that, that same follow up plan. Uh, what's Red X. Red X is a wonderful little tool that uh Red X for I think it's only like seventy dollars a month it's kind of the other way I get most of my most of my selling leads. So Red X is something I subscribe to and each day it pulls all the for sale owners and all the expireds in my area. Then it cross references them with uh you know anything else that it can. So it's making sure it's not pulling doubles. So in other words, if the for sale owner has been listed four times, it only sends it to me once that way I'm not calling them over and over. Um, but it'll pull all their information. It'll give me a phone number and an email address if you can find one anywhere out there. And then it'll kind of send me a database and I'll call those leads.
1: And did you say that's a daily process? That's, that's the first thing I do every morning. You're going after for sale by owners and expires? Correct, yeah. Let's talk about each of those. We talked a little bit about for sale by owner on Craigslist. You're also pulling in for sale by owners with Red X, are you also driving around town looking them up or looking in the paper?
2: You know, I don't typically, I mean, I don't look in the paper at all, be, because typically um, Red X will pull them if they've been listed in the classified with my, with my local paper. So I don't, and it helps me, I don't have to do that. If I'm driving by somewhere, I'll, I'll typically stop and give them a for sale or a pack or something like that, but I don't rely real heavily on that.
1: Your follow up with for sale by owners, once you get that raw data, do they all go into the email drip system, or do you also start calling them on the phone?
2: I'll call everyone first that's that's the first thing I'll do. I'll call um you know in the morning um, when the new list comes up um, I'll call each and every one of them and if I reach them, I'll find out what's going on. You know sometimes they're working with another agent, and if if that's the case, I typically don't pursue it um, i just that's just not who i am i don't I don't like going after that business if they're already in relationship with another agent. If they're not, I'll typically you know try to find out what their motivation is. I'll go through my first sale by owner script and um you know if if I feel like they're they're at least semi motivated I'll put them in and and I can't close for the appointment. I'll put them in that touch program
1: so you'll try to close for an appointment on that first call absolutely If it happens, great, if not, they'll go into the drip system correct, yeah. what script do you use to try to
2: set the appointment? My script is a little weird but but it works for me. Um, the script I typically call with is I say, you know, hey, this is Wayne with Alaska Frontier Realty, and I saw that you guys have listed your home as a for sale by owner on, uh, on Main Street. Is that correct? And I say, yeah. I say, okay, is this, you know, is this the owner? And usually I'll have their name, so I'll say, no, hey, this is Joe. And then I'll say, well, I'm not like most realtors. I'm just calling you today because what I found is most people that are selling the house are often looking to purchase another home. Are you guys looking to purchase something here, you know, in the valley or out of state when your home sells? At that point, they'll calm down a lot because when you first call for sale by owners, they're kind of, you know, they've got calls from, you know, a hundred other agents So they are kind of giving you that, you know, please don't talk to me kind of, <laughs> kind of vibe. So, but when I say that, Hey, can I help you find your next house? It really brings the conversation back down and we're able to have a much better conversation at that point. Even if they're not looking to buy another home or they're looking to move out of state at that point, I can basically, I go right back to my for sale by owner script, but the mentality of the call is a lot better. Because they're not feeling, they're not hostile <laughs> like they were two seconds before.
1: When you're going through your script, do you still try to set a listing appointment, or at that point are you setting more of a buyer appointment?
2: No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the buyer thing typically does not work because typically they've either purchased another home or they're looking to move out of out of state. You know, in Alaska, it's very transient, so a lot of them are looking to move to Wyoming or somewhere else where I can't really assist them. So. At that point I'll kind of say, okay, so you guys are looking to move to you know Wyoming. That's great. Um, what kind of marketing are you doing on your home right now to get it sold? So I'll run them all the way through my first sale ownership and at the end, you know, I'm able to say, Well, are you familiar with the techniques I use to sell homes? And they say no, and I say, Well, hey, you know, w first off I work with a lot of buyers and I'd love to see your house. And second of all, I'd like to just show you what I do that's different from me, I do it at every other agent in the valley. Now, would you mind if I came by for a quick five or 10 minutes and just showed you what I do that's different? And I would love to get a tour of your home. It sounds wonderful.
1: On your first call, how often do they agree to an appointment? I would
2: say 80 and 85% of the time they agree to an appointment. Wow, that often? Yeah. Um, but there are, there are a lot of times where I don't do the appointment. If I, if I kind of go through my calls and I feel like, one, they're way overpriced and way under motivated, I won't try to close for an appointment.
1: So you're asking a lot of questions in that initial conversation to try to determine whether this is somebody you want to pursue.
2: Exactly. Yeah. There's 14 questions that I'll run through. And question number 14 is, is closing for the appointment. But I I won't try to close if I don't feel like they're motivated and realistic on price. Any other hints on for sell by owners? Two most important things are really, you know, know your scripts, but really be casual in the conversation. You know, so try not to kind of ram through it and really just try to get to know them because they're just people too that want to sell their house second just really try to identify their motivation you know if their motivation really is to move then, then we can help them all day long and then number three i get a lot of referrals from for time buyers. so if they say they're moving to texas um i'll say okay when do you need to be there you know have you have you purchased a home there already a lot of times they haven't so i will ask i'll say hey you know what i know you know i know agents in that area would you mind if I interviewed a couple of them for you found the best one or two and then sent you their information? So a lot of times I'm looking to also get a referral out of that conversation. How
1: often do you get the buyer referral and not get the listing?
2: Not as much as they want <laughs> because usually the time I get them, they've already purchased a home. But, you know, it it, it happens. I mean, I'll get probably several a month, three to four a month where I, uh, I'm expecting a referral to come in the next, you know, next 60 to 90 days.
1: Just for asking.
2: Yeah. You're also pursuing expireds. What are you doing there? Same thing. I get the list from RedX. And the wonderful thing about RedX is it will actually, it'll do a search for me and tell me if they've been relisted or not. So that way I'm not calling homes that have expired and then have already been relisted or say, you know, the agents just forgot to extend the listing. They were off for 24 hours and now they're back on. So it's nice because it helps me avoid those kind of awkward conversations. But I just call and I say, hey, you know, did you know that your uh, you know your home came off the market this morning? Um, you know, it's no longer, you know, buyers are no longer able to see it. And usually they're shocked because they have no idea because their um you know their realtor hasn't talked to them in six years. And then I kind of walk through and say, you know, hey, are you guys still motivated to sell your house? Where were you planning to move when it sold? And they say, Oh, well, we were gonna move to Texas, but you know, we don't know what we're gonna do now. And uh, I'll say, Well, how soon do you need to be in Texas? And they'll answer and then uh, you Know to kind of walk through that, and then at the end, basically, I'll say, You know, what was the plan? You know, why do you think your home didn't sell? What was your realtor's plan to get your home sold? And after I ask the plan question, it's usually kind of a home run because they usually kind of go, Um, well, you know, he didn't have a plan, we, we didn't know what he was doing to market our home, he never called anything along those lines. So, my point. That, especially my expired calls, is never to knock their other realtor. I don't want to say, you know, oh, yeah, well, Sally, you know, she sells two houses a year. No wonder it didn't sell. My plan is to just always talk positively about me and, and what my plan is. And I say, hey, you know, would you mind, since you guys are really motivated to get to Texas in the next two months, would it offend you if I just came by for a quick five or ten minutes and showed you what my plan is and how I do get a lot of homes sold?
1: What percentage of the people that you get in touch with that are expired will agree to that appointment?
2: It's less than for my owners because usually at that point they're kind of burned out. You know, their home is just expired and usually it's a little more difficult to get the appointment. But probably about 50 to 60% of those I'll, I'll get an appointment on. And I'm doing the same thing too. A lot of those I'll try, I, if I feel like they're way overpriced or they've lost their motivation, I won't try to go for, you know, close for an appointment. Now,
1: a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. So you're doing a preliminary call. If you get a hold of them, you try to set an appointment, you're also screening and if they look good, but you don't get the appointment, they'll go into your DRIP follow-up program. And if they do look good, just set that appointment. If they go into your DRIP follow-up program, well how is that designed? Is it similar to the FISBO program?
2: It's actually not as aggressive. I should probably make it a little bit more aggressive. But basically, if they go into that, they're just going in um, as a met, and they're getting my weekly, you know, kind of my weekly emails. Um, and then I have a schedule to call them about every other week.
1: How long will you continue to follow up with them? as Ben says, until they've moved or dead. So just keep on going. Keep on going. I heard that you get a lot of other agent referrals, agents in Anchorage, for example. How are you stimulating that? How is that
2: happening? They see that, uh, obviously, you know, I'm successful in selling homes. Um, the one thing I really work hard at is when I do get a referral is really kind of kind of patting them on the back and making a big deal of it. So you know, when I get a referral from them, Say thank you so much. It's a, you know, it's a huge deal to me. Um, immediately I'll send them like like a Starbucks card, five or ten bucks, you know, just something little that says, hey, you know, it really does mean a lot to me. Um, and I do that even if it's like the, the dumbest lead in the world, you know, uh, you know this guy named Joe called, you know, six weeks ago, and he thought, you know, he saw a house for rent. Even if it's a horrible lead, um, I'll still make a big deal about it to whoever's referring it to me. So I'll send them a gift card. You know, in the thank you note, in the mail. And then I'll also, I think the big thing is updating them. I know that's my biggest frustration is when I send a, le- a referral to somebody and they don't tell me how it's going. So I really try to make a point every week to follow that, per- follow to that realtor and say, you know, hey, I'm still, you know, working with uh, Joe and Cassidy. We haven't found the right house yet, but I wanted you to know that they're a top priority to me. And um, hopefully we-, we find something here this next week and I can send you a check. So I, I really try to follow up with them. And then I have a dinner. Um, once a year, I, I typically do kind of a, a thank you dinner. And at that dinner, I typically have um, other realtors come come to that.
1: Is the thank you dinner just for the realtors or is that also for your past clients?
2: The dinner I do is I call it my core advocate dinner and typically have you know another lender who helps me sponsor that or, or put that on. But I'll have uh, lenders come to that. You know, The lenders that I've done several deals with that year. Um, I'll have realtors, um, my builders. And any other, you know, people that are real core advocates to me. How many people do you typically invite? Typically, it's, you know, it's not a whole lot of people, you know, maybe it's maybe 40 or 50 people. And we'll rent, you know, just kind of a banquet room at a restaurant. Um, And it'll be, you know, typically it's it's kind of like a buffet style casual dinner where I'll I'll stand up and say thank you to several people. Sometimes I'll give out, you know, a fun award, you know, the crappiest house award or, you know, something funny, you know, kind of make it a nice light evening. It's not you know, an awards gala. It's just kind of a fun time to kind of hang out and and get to know each other.
1: And has that resulted in business for you?
2: You know, absolutely. And it creates a lot of, um, you know, basically create that core advocate. It really bonds them. You know, it creates a really good atmosphere among everyone. And, you know, it's kind of people kind of think it's a little bit counterintuitive, you know, because I invite other realtors to come hang out with my builders. And a lot of people say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're doing that. You know, that sounds so, you know, aren't you worried about losing business? Um, and what I've found is, one, it makes the other realtors really comfortable with my builders. And now they go, oh, I'd love to build with, with Troy Davis Homes because they have a relationship with them now. And two, it shows my builders that I'm confident enough in what I'm doing and that I have a great network of other basically salespeople out there for them.
1: Anything else you think we should know about your core advocate dinner?
2: It's usually sponsored by other people. I usually don't pay a penny for it.
1: So you have your sponsors pick up the bill.
2: Correct. Yeah. You know, the sign guys I'm using or, you know, the title company will help pay for some of it or the mortgage company, you know, whatever's legal, I'll have them uh, pitch in.
1: Do the sponsors make a presentation?
2: Yeah. Yeah. If I make whoever sponsors, I make a big, a big deal about, um, you know, I say, you know, let's thank, you know, Howard, he paid for, you know, your dinner. You know, Howard's one of my favorite lenders in the Valley. Here's why. So I'll make a big deal about it and let them say, you know, you know, a couple of words.
1: I read somewhere that you've done door knocking. Are you still doing door knocking?
2: You know what, I hate to admit it because people think it's crazy. Um, but you know, when I was first in the business, I didn't know what to do. And I think I read a, uh, maybe it was a Mike Berry book or something, I can't remember. But anyway, he said, you know, if you don't have any business, go knock on doors. And I thought, well, that's something I can do. I don't have any money and I don't know anybody. So I guess that's something I can do. So I would go and uh, every, every weekend, I would typically knock on, on 50 to 100 doors.
1: And how did that go?
2: Well, in the winter, it's not as much fun as it is in the summer. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so, in the winter, I was I needed business, and I would actually wear like long legged underwear under my suit, and like, I was freezing. And uh, I would go door to door, and I found that about every seventy five doors I talked, I you know I knocked on, I would basically get a dealer or a referral. So it was actually a really effective way to uh, to get business for me.
1: As long as you could stay warm. That's it. Yeah.
2: And I mean, I, my hair was great. Cra- I mean, I'm sure I look like this ridiculous punk walking through the neighborhoods, but it, uh, it worked. Do you still door knock? You know, I do. I typically, you know, if it's, if it's a nice day, i mean actually to tell you the truth. Last night, I went and door knocked for an hour. Um, it was a gorgeous day and I just was getting crazy in the office. So I, I had a listing in a new subdivision and uh, I just went and I knocked on about 50 doors and, you know, had some great conversations with people.
1: When you knock on doors, are people mean?
2: No, they're actually they're great. Sometimes their dogs are a little scary, uh, but no, no, the people are wonderful. Uh, you know, typically I just say, hey, you know, I'm Wayne. I have a you know house down the street uh, here for sale. Uh, you know, we're selling it. You know, it's the, the Tanner's house, and we're selling it for 250. And uh, you know what I found is oftentimes people in the area, neighbors, know someone that wants to move into this neighborhood. So I was wondering, you know, who do you know that might be interested in uh, in buying a house and being your neighbor? So they'll either give me a name or not. And I'll say, okay, well, here are some stats, and I want to give to you what's happening fire about the house. Um, you know, have you guys considered investing in real estate or or needing to sell your place in the next couple of months? And, uh, you know, those of tell me yes or no. And then, you know, I'll give them the information. And then the last thing I'll ask them is, as I'm leaving, I'll say, would you be interested in getting updated, you know, periodical updated information on what's happening in this neighborhood? You know, it's kind of some market stats, um, you know, every, every month, every six months. And then if they say yes, I'll get their, their contact information, and I'll add them into my database.
1: Do you hand them anything?
2: I do. I hand a flyer for the house that's listed in the, in the neighborhood, and then just stats for what's happening in their neighborhood. You know, how many sales have happened lately or, uh, you know, sale prices going up and down, things like that. Something that's really going to appeal to them. They're gonna, most people are interested in that, even if they're not thinking about selling. They want to know what's happening.
1: You've mentioned a couple times that you've worked with builders. Talk about that. What have you done in the past with builders? What are you doing today?
2: Well, that's probably one of the big changes in my business. Two to three years ago, my business was basically ex- exclusively new construction, which was wonderful. I had, uh, you know, basically uh, at one time I had six builders. Um, and then, you know, most recently I've had two real large builders. And the great thing about that was there's was consistent listings. You know, they always had new, new properties coming online. And most of the time, I would double-side those deals. So they were great income at the same time. Um, so I was doing a lot of new construction, you know, basically exclusively just just doing new homes. Um, the issue about three years ago, we, you know, when the market changed, a lot of those builders I was working with couldn't, could no longer get the cash from the bank. So even if they had, a, you know, a pre-qualified buyer, oftentimes when they went into the bank, they couldn't get cash to build the house. So we had so we had a real dramatic shift in going from basically one hundred percent new construction sales to to almost none.
1: These builders were they big
2: builders, little builders? How many homes were they building a year? Four or five years ago? Um, I had basically six small builders, so each of them was building maybe four to five homes a year, which was you know kind of nice there was a lot of different, a lot of different pieces because each builder did it a different way. And then about three years ago, um, I, I kind of landed one um, real large builder and, and a two kind of medium-sized builder. So uh, they were bringing me like you know, 20 a year, um, you know, each of them, about 20 from the big guy and about 15 to 12 from, from the smaller guy. So that was just a real nice, steady kind of you know, one or two listings a month um, just kind of coming.
1: And so that dried up because the economy faltered and financing became slim. The banks weren't lending out money for construction,
2: and you had to make a shift. Exactly. Yeah, I had to make a shift, a, a big shift, because I had gone from so much new construction to basically back to um, you know all resale. And and for most agents, I would have been going back to resale. But for me, I hadn't really done that much resale before, so I really had to kind of almost. It, it wasn't necessarily I I couldn't really fall back on what I used to do because I didn't used to do it. You know, so I kind of had to reevaluate. How do I kind of start getting all these, as many listings as I need, how do I do that? And that's where, you know, I basically fall back to, you know, for sale owners expireds in my database.
1: How did you decide that that would be the route you would take to get into the resale?
2: I'm kind of a, an information junkie, but I do, I listen to a lot of interviews, um, whether Gary Keller's interviewing someone or, or someone like that. So I listen to a lot of interviews that people are doing. And the other thing I do is I've done a lot of shadowing. So I'll call another agent that I know or have heard of and say, hey, you know, do you mind if I come basically hang out your office for a day or two and uh, see what you're doing? Wow. And will agents allow you to do that? You know what? It's been great. This last, last year I interviewed um, some awesome agents. I interviewed uh, Keith uh, Riddle and, and Claudia down in Washington. And that was awesome. I spent three or four days with them. Um, I spent um, three days with Ben Kinney, who um, everybody knows is just a rock star when it comes to Internet lead generation. Um, and then I was able to also spend some time with uh, Wes Madden, who is a realtor here in Alaska, up, up north in Fairbanks. And he's doing, you know, 70, you know, 100 million, something like that. So, you know, spending time with guys like that was huge for me because it basically let me, they, you know, they just kind of say, come on in and, you know, ask whatever you want. Um, and that was a huge opportunity to me. So for shadowing for me was probably one of the biggest things um, that's really taught me a lot on how to convert my business.
1: Do you have to pay money to go shadow these people?
2: You know what? I, I was shocked at how kind and nice they were, but each one of them just said, you know, come. And um, I, most of them, I just stayed at their house and, and and spent three or four days with them. So they were really, really accommodating. They even let you stay at their home. Yeah. Which is why I go to a lot of events, you know, like, you know, whether it's a mastermind or may agent or star power or something like that, you go to those events and meet people and, and kind of build relationships. Plus, you know, there's a lot of referrals down the road. So, but yeah, generally, you know, they're great people, and someone taught them something, and they're more than happy to share it.
1: Let's keep going down our list of items and ways that you generate business. I heard
2: something about cookies. What, what's that? A couple of years ago, I, I got nominated as one of the top 30 under 30 with a realtor magazine, and they put me in as a—I think they called me the cookie guy or something. But basically, what they were talking about was something I do. Uh, usually, every week or every other week, is I'll—I'll uh, I'll make cookies. Uh, and I'll kind of wrap them up and take them to about 20 different businesses here in the Valley. So I'll drop them off. I'll go business to business and uh, just say, you know, hey, it's Wayne. You know, just drop off some more information. I'll drop them off, uh, you know, information on, you know, what's happening in the market or sometimes I'll do something silly, you know, uh, you know, just a, a silly questionnaire or something funny for them to do or silly stats about, you know, Alaska or something along those lines. But basically it's just building that, that network of people that that keep seeing me every week.
1: The first week you say, I got cookies. What do you say the second week?
2: Well, you know, now I've been doing it for, you know, a year or two. So everyone just expects me (laughs) to come with cookies. So if I go two or three weeks without dropping off cookies, I usually get an email or a phone call from somebody saying, you know, where's our cookies? I hope you didn't forget about us. But, um, you know, usually I'll go in. they They all know what I do at this point. And uh, I'll say, you know, I'll talk and I'll say, you know, okay, seriously, this week, who do you know the wants to buy a house? You're killing me. I've come here for the last two weeks and you haven't given me a referral. You know, you got to give me something. I'm holding these cookies hostage. Um, You know, so sometimes I'll just be, you know, funny with them, but they, you know, they know why I'm there and I'm just trying to build relationships with them. How did you pick these
1: particular businesses to go to? What kind of businesses are they?
2: I want to go to businesses that have home somehow, you know, they're somehow involved with buying and selling a home. So I'll go to, you know, I go to a couple remodeling places, you know, places where they install glass or they fix doors or, you know, they go after floods. Um, I'm going to a place like that. I'm going to insurance companies because a lot of people ask their insurance agent, you know, for a good agent, you know, a good realtor they're looking for. Um, I'll go to title companies. I'll go to inspection, you know, people that do home inspections, um, inspection offices. Um, you know, I have a stager that I go to, you know, anything like that that's kind of tight. You know, I would think. You know, if I was selling a house and I didn't know anybody, who would I call to get, you know, get a referral? You know, who, who do I know that's kind of involved in the, in the buying selling industry that I would trust to get a referral from?
1: Are these also your vendors, your affiliates, people that you're working with in normal transactions? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll do whatever I can to send them business to
2: build that relationship and to get it back. Are you buying these cookies in the store? You know what? Oftentimes I actually make them. It's kind of my Monday night routine. If you come to my house any monday night i'm typically putting through a couple loads of uh, loads of cookies here so i typically just make them myself
1: how many cookies do you bring to each location
2: you know i make enough cookies for, but i have about 20 plates you know and there's maybe you know six eight cookies on a plate something like that and you're still doing that i'm still doing it yep G- gaining weight by the week are you seeing business coming out of that effort Absolutely. You know, it's created a lot of really good relationships. And, um, you know, it's a really great reason to come by and drop off my cards, drop off flyers every week. So it's really, it really does create a lot of, you know, basically, I'm I'm top of mind for all these people. So instead of going, you know, to six, six individuals home, I'm able to kind of see, you know, six to 10 people in one shot. And that's why I I started doing it was because there's just such a greater impact.
1: I heard that you also are doing something with shows like bridal shows and gun shows, home shows. What's that all about?
2: Yeah, you know, that's something I don't do as much as I used to, but I still do them every once in a while. But what I found was, I, are, you know, now I was doing a lot of marketing. You know, people kind of knew who I was and they saw my face here and there. But, um, you know, I, it's, how was I going to build that relationship, which I found was really important. You know, there's a lot of realtors that kind of spend a ton on direct mail, all this other stuff. Uh, Everyone knows who they are, but they don't have any relationship. So I was like, how can I get in front of, you know, several hundred people at a time to to basically shake some hands? And uh, so, yeah, I will do, um, you know, I've done bridal shows, gun shows, um, anything like that where I just basically have a booth and I'm able to, you know, shaking hands and meeting people. And I'll usually do a drawing for something. Um, You know, if it's a bridal show, usually I'll do like, you know, maybe get a hotel or a resort in the neighborhood to kind of give me a gift card or, you know, a free one night stay or something like that, or a discount price or something. And I'll do a drawing for, you know, a two night stay at Aliaska Resort. Um, so that way I'm getting names and numbers um, at the shows. Collecting leads. Exactly.
1: You do something called a video email. What is that?
2: You know, that's something that's really um, made it. I think I also got that from Bruce Hardy, maybe a year or two ago. Um, and video email is the way out, we are finding that we're sending all these emails to our leads into our database, but how can we build a relationship with them? Um, and it really hit me about two years ago, um, I did a video about, you know, why you should go to Mega camp um, in Austin for Keller Williams. Um, and a lot of people watched that video. But then when I was there, a lot of people, I, I felt, recognized me. It felt like we had a relationship. You know, they'd walk in and say, hey, Wayne, you know, that was a great video, whatever. Um, and that at that moment, I kind of realized, wow, this video thing really works. There's really something to this. Um, and after that, I stepped it up. So when, if, if you're a buyer, you know, you signed on to our website, I've called you, I can't reach you on the first couple calls. Um, I'll send a video email and I'll say, you know, hey, Mike, this is Wayne Samuels. I saw you on the website. That house on, on charity is still available. I think they're about to drop the price. Um, you know, what do you think about going to see him this weekend? But it doesn't matter what I say, but because if you get a video from me, all of a sudden we're building a relationship and there's such a stronger rapport now that you've actually seen my face and I've talked to you. And what I asked myself was how many emails and direct mails would I have to send someone before they felt like we had a relationship before, you know, if we met at Walmart, they would shave my hand. And and I felt like after one or two videos, we have that relationship was there. It was amazing the difference between, you know, just an email, um, as opposed to like a video email where I say your name, which is the most important word and tell you that I'm here to help you.
1: How do you produce the video?
2: Well, there's several different ways I do it. For my Boomtown leads or buyer leads, I'll just do what's called iJot, and iJot is just a website, and the reason I like iJot is it's free, which, which I love, so it doesn't matter how many I send a month, it's not costing me anything, and, uh, and two, it, it kind of keeps a record of all my videos. So I go onto iJot.com, I record a quick video, and send it right off to them. There's no editing or anything. Do
1: you have a camera that you had to buy, or are you using the little camera in your computer? I have a little,
2: you know, little cheap um, USB camera that I bought for, you know, 50 bucks or something like that that works wonderful. That, you know, it's just a little you know, laptop camera. So you stand
1: in front of it and talk into the computer and you're looking in the machine as though you're looking at them. You get all dressed up. Do you have something behind you that's some kind of scenery?
2: How are you setting that up? What i found is the more casual and real, the better with these videos. So, in other words, I don't try to make a big production of it. I'm usually just sitting at my desk. You know, sometimes I even have my headset on for making phone calls or whatever. But I just sit here and I say, you know, hey, John, I, you know, and I'm usually dressed as, as I dress for work. You know, I don't do anything special. Um, and I say, hey, John, you know, I'm just sitting here. I saw these items on the website, you know, yesterday. I really want to get this information to you. Um, you know, whatever I say, but it's just a quick, you know, you, know, tw- you know, 10, 20 second video. And it goes right out to them. And The thing I like about iJob is it doesn't let me edit, <laughs> so I, I I don't sit here and, and tweak it until I look pretty. Um, a lot of times I don't even I don't even review it because um, I hate seeing myself on camera. So I uh, I just do a quick video and send it off to him.
1: How long is that message? Is it typically a minute, two minutes, five minutes?
2: It's usually twenty seconds. Just a quick hey, this is Wayne. You know, I saw you look in houses, you know, when can we go look? And I really want to get this report to you. You know, would you be offended if I emailed it to you? You know, whatever that is, it's just a quick little conversation with them.
1: And then on iJot, you type in a quick email message. It connects the video somehow to that email. Is it a link?
2: It's just a link. So they're not downloading a video, which is really helpful. Um, it just pops, you know, on their email, it shows, you know, kind of a, a screenshot of the video. and says, hey, you know, you've received a private message uh, from Wayne Salmons. They click it, and it it, uh, and it starts to play. So it takes them to the server and starts to play it, I guess.
1: So it plays on someone else's server, kind
2: of like a YouTube. Exactly, yeah. But the nice thing about iJot is I'm not saving anything. So, so it's not like I'm doing it on my computer, saving it, and then sending it out as a file. It's a lot quicker than that.
1: And you can see the stats as to whether they've reviewed that or not, whether they've watched the video? Correct.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: What percentage of the people watch the video?
2: Almost everyone. The only ones that really don't get watched um, are when they're, they're not a legit email. So I would say that 80% of them get watched. How many of those are you sending out a day? There are people that I haven't contacted. It would just take too much time if I send them to everyone. So they're, usually I only send them to someone who's been on the site at least once. Maybe they've come back at least twice. And I know that they have a valid email address. So I haven't been able to reach them. Um, it's been a couple of days. Uh, they have a valid email address. And I really think that I want to connect with these people. So I'm sending maybe maybe five to 10 a day, some, somewhere along that line. It's not any, not any more than that.
1: Do you feel that that is speeding up the reaction back for that lead to contact you or to touch base with you?
2: Yeah, it's kind of my, my last draw, if that makes sense. So in other words, you know, getting them on the phone is, is always the best because I can interact with them. If I can't reach them by phone or by email, i that video, is, is kind of my last thing, and it's just created really good relationships and a lot better uh, turnaround.
1: Do you use this type of communication with people that are either a stronger lead or a current client or customer?
2: Typically not.
1: No, it's just two times
2: consuming i I'd rather just have them on the phone. So this
1: is just to spark someone's interest and get them to contact you.
2: Exactly, yeah. Because, you know, if they're an internet lead, you know, and I wasn't able to get a hold of them right away, they probably have four or five other agents send them something, you know, in the, you know, they probably emailed them um, or are trying to hold them. So how do I separate myself from the four or five other people that are maybe trying to reach them?
1: Once that lead comes in, you want to capture that lead and start working with it. Are you doing that with some type of manual system or electronic system?
2: The leads are all managed through uh, the
1: back end database of Boomtown right now. You mentioned top producer as well, so. Are you using two systems? The leads are coming in and you're keeping those in Boomtown and when they become clients, they go into Top Producer?
2: Yeah, leads, all the leads, especially my buyer leads, are all addressed in Boomtown just because it's a a superior system. Um, And Top Producer really just works as my database. That's where I send through my monthly emails and things like that, my mail-outs and that. I don't use Top Producer to its full capacity by any means.
1: You mentioned you have a database of... 5,000, 5,500? 5, yeah. And is that all being kept in Top Producer?
2: It is, yeah. How many leads do you have in Boomtown? Yeah, you know, I've got about 1,600 actives in Boomtown. A lot of those are, you know, nurtures and watches, which is how I qualify them. So a lot of them are, are ways out or they're just looking. So, um, you know, a lot of those are just kind of, they're getting the weekly emails through Boomtown. They're looking at houses, you know, every once in a while, but they're not really solid. So right now Boomtown, I have 57 hot leads, um, which are, there's 57 people right now in my Boomtown system that I feel and they've told me are ready to write, you know, an offer here, you know, in the next 30 days or as soon as I can find them something that's um, acceptable to them, they're looking for.
1: What moves somebody from the Boomtown list to the top producer list?
2: Everybody gets put in top producer if, as long as I haven't trashed them. As long as it's a, a legit lead with a name and an email they'll eventually get put in top, in top Producer as one of my unmet if I haven't made touch with them.
1: So the 1600 in Boomtown, they're duplicated. They're already in Top Producer.
2: Correct, yeah.
1: You like to use Boomtown to do your follow-up as, as a better system for you. Right, yeah. Top Producer is where you'll do your weekly follow-up, and that's kind of standardized, and that's why you put them in there as well.
2: Right, yeah. So that's where my long-term you know, term touches.
1: Let's talk about sellers. How many listings do you currently have?
2: Right now, not many. Um, I have, I think, 15 active listings right now.
1: What is your number one source for seller leads? Seller leads would be probably
2: my, my database and the cold calls. to your percent of owners and expires?
1: Sellers have a lot of options in the market today. Why would a seller hire you? What is your competitive advantage?
2: I think the real competitive advantage is mindset, which, which I know kind of sounds a little funny, but really expressing, they typically talk to people in the market that are saying, you know, the market's horrible, we're all going down, nothing's selling. So really getting in front of them with the stats and saying, hey, look, stuff is selling and just kind of giving them a positive take on the market and say, hey, look, if we price right, we're going to sell within 98% of your list price or 99% of your list price. And just being really, just showing them that I'm excited about selling their house and then showing them that I have a plan, you know, say, you know, we're going to, we're going to list it, you know, on these different websites. Um, We're going to push it hard to realtors, you know, just, I think that excitement and showing them that I'm pushing it really hard at where buyers are um, makes a big impact on them. Positive message. Exactly. Yeah. Which, which I I think is a little underrated. You know, there's a lot of realtors that go in and say, well, you know, I I hope we can sell this. You know, the market's in the market's tanked out. Um, which is really not true, but that's kind of the perception.
1: Who's setting your listing appointments? You're setting the listing appointment, correct? Correct, yeah. How long are you setting that for? What amount of time are you trying to
2: block out? If it's a referral, a lot of times I, I don't even go on the appointment. But If it's someone that, you know, if it's a for sale or an expired, I will go and I'll typically spend, you know, half an hour to 40 minutes there.
1: You mentioned if it's a referral, you might not even go. Does that mean that you're doing your listing presentation over the phone?
2: Yeah, typically, typically. So usually they're, if it's a referral, they're already sold on me. So I don't have to go into a, as much detail as, as I would with, you know, and or Expired. So I kind of walk them through what we're going to do, what our sales have been, you know, what our success has been. Um, I'll email them uh, my, you know, pre-listing packet. And then the thing I really push hard is we have basically every home we list, we have staged. So I lean really heavy on my stager to do a lot of that, a lot of that work that I would have done in the past. So the stager is the one that actually goes through and says, you know, hey, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. They're the ones really having that conversation on what we need to do to get the home sellable.
1: Who is paying for the stager?
2: I typically pay for the stager actually right now. Um, she gives me a great deal. So it's about, she only charges me about $50 each time she goes and she charges every other realtor, <laughs> 150 or something like that. Um, but I have a good deal from her because I basically got her kind of into the business. So she goes out, and for $50, it's the best $50 bucks I ever spent. And she goes, and she'll, she'll spend an hour at the house walking through. And then when she's done, she'll email me and the seller a list of kind of what they talked about and what needs to be done. And that list is great. You know, I mean, that list is, is, is really valuable. Two weeks or three weeks down the road, if a home hasn't sold, we haven't had any offers, I can say, hey, maybe it's time for us to address some of the stuff you didn't do, um, this, this suggest- the stager suggested we address.
1: Let's go back for a minute. You mentioned you send out a pre-listing package.
2: Right? Yep.
1: What's in that package? Yeah,
2: you know, in the pre-listing package, it basically walks them, it, you know, validates me so it says, you know, who I am, what I've done, what our sales are. Um talks them through our plan. You know, these are the these are the different marketing avenues we do. Um, you know, Craigslist, websites, you know, e- emailing to the realtors, all the stuff that we do. Then it walks into the process of selling, you know, once we get an offer, here's what we need to do. Um has Suggestions in there, what they can do to get their home in top condition, you know, clean the windows, carpet the floors, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it goes into how to price a home. So there's a lot of pretty pictures in there <laughs> for most people that tells them you know the buyers don't care that you replaced the furnace they don't care that you know you had to fix the roof you know here's what buyers care about um, and how why we need to price right walks them through you know the most important thing is getting it priced right right off the bat why we shouldn't wait um, two months to get the price where it needs to be and then it goes all the way down to you know it goes through all of that goes to what they can experience and then at the end it actually asks for you know a referral When you
1: go out on the appointment, do you use a canned or standard listing presentation?
2: Yeah, I have about a 20-page presentation that that I walk through and then leave with them.
1: You mentioned you're only going to be there 30, 40 minutes. Are you trying to get the listing signed at that
2: appointment? Typically, yeah. Or or typically I've had it, you know, I've Docu signed the, the paperwork before so they've had a chance to look at it and they've either signed it already or they're going to, you know, click on it right after we leave. But oftentimes, I mean our, our paperwork here isn't real, real extensive. So um, I'll have them sign the few pages as we yeah, as we wrap things up.
1: Uh, you mentioned DocuSign. Are you trying to get them to sign on their computer while you're there or are
2: you doing this with manual paper as well? I'll do it both ways depending on the you know the age of the clients and how I feel what's going to work best for them. Preferably I've sent the paperwork before I even show up and they've they've docu signed it before I even get there. That makes it easy. Yeah.
1: When you say that are you talking about those referral appointments, the people that already know you?
2: Exactly, yeah. I and mean, that typically is with referrals, you know, if it's a cold appointment, um you know it's usually hard paperwork.
1: Okay, like a for sale by owner and expired, you'll sit down and chat with them for a while longer. You'll have to convince them that you're the right agent.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: How do you handle a price objection from a seller? You say the home is worth 200, and the seller says, "I want 275." If
2: they're super unrealistic, you know, and I can't convince them, I I just won't take the listing. But typically, what I'll do is I'll just say, you know, hey, you. You've been looking for other houses, and they say, yeah, you know, when the sales were moving to Arizona, I'll say, okay, so w- how do you look for other houses, and how do you determine which ones you want to make an offer on? And then they tell me, you know, well, hey, you know, we've been looking at houses, and, you know, after we look at five or six, we kind of get an idea what they're worth and things like that, and I say, okay, well, you need to understand that that's what buyers are doing to your house. They're looking online before they ever get to your front door to determine if your home is worth what you're asking for or not. So here are the comparables that I've pulled that show you know, the other four or five houses we're competing with. And as you've seen by, by the graphs we've just gone over, we need to be priced at or below what these are at. So we basically look at what the other homes are at, and then that's where the reality kind of sets in. And I kind of say, you know, why would you be willing to pay more for your home than, than this one that's the exact same price, the exact same age, um, you know, and price $10,000 less than what you guys want to get? So it kind of sinks in at that point that they need to, they need to price correctly because I've kind of given the mindset of they're the buyer, you know, because they've been looking at homes and they understand um, what's there. How do you handle commission objections? What I found was originally, commission was always an issue. Every time I went to a listing appointment, commission was an issue. And I was like, this is, it's killing me to have this conversation over and over and over. What I found was I was insecure about the commission. So almost subconsciously, I was bringing it into the conversation, if that makes sense. I was saying, this is the commission and almost flinching, waiting for them to respond with, oh, that's too much. <laughs> you know. So I, I realized that I was creating the issue. And, and when I didn't make a big deal about it, people didn't care. So that's, that's typically – typically we don't have the conversation because unless I bring it up, you know, the, unless I kind of make it a deal, they don't care. The other thing is I just say, hey, look, what you really want is to net the most amount of money. And they say, they say yeah, that's what I want. I say, you know, would you trust me with your money if I was willing to give away my commission that I've worked hard for right off the bat? And they say, no. And I say, well, that's how I'm going to negotiate for your money, just like it was my money. You know, I'm not going to cut my commission because I'm going to fight hard to get you the most money for your house that we can in this market. Just like I'm, I would not give up my commission because that's the money I take home to my family. If they push even after that, I walk in and I say, these are the things we're going to do to start a house. If we reduce our commission, what would you like us to not do? Because it's all cost us money. And they say, oh, we want everything. And I say, okay.
1: Let's talk about your buyers for a minute. How many buyers are you currently working with?
2: In the system, you know, like I said I have about 60 buyers that are kind of in there. Um I'm usually working only with, you know, maybe maybe five or six that are real kind of ready to go at a time. You know, so usually there's I mean I'm calling all these usually I'm of these 60 buyer leads. I'm calling them you know once or once every other week at least. Um and I'm usually actively out searching with maybe five or six a week.
1: Why would a buyer hire you? What is your competitive advantage?
2: You know, I think the big advantage is when I walk them through that buyer representation agreement, I say, hey, look, I'm going to commit to you 100% whether this takes a week or six months to find you the right house. And then I also, them, hey, look, I, used to, I built homes for several years and I really know what goes into a home. So once we've looked at homes and we kind of have questions about, you know, foundation and roofing and things like that, I'm going to be able to give you a good sense of what's going on with that house, um, whereas, you know, a lot of agents aren't. And then also, you know, last year, you know, I sold 100 homes where most agents only sell, you know, two to three homes in a year. So I really know what's going on in the market. So I'm going to make sure we don't pay a penny more for this house than we need to or that the market's going to bear.
1: And you do set an appointment to sit down and chat with them before you'll go out and and show them homes. What's going on in that buyer presentation?
2: In that presentation, basically, we sit down and I walk them all the way through my buyer packet. And it's really important for me to do that. And my conversion rate, you know, once I get a buyer to sit down with me, it's, you know, we're done. You know, there there's a commitment there. Whereas in the past, if I was just kind of working with somebody, every once in a while we'd meet at a house, look at it, there was no commitment. So I really sit down with them, we walk all the way through the buyer packet, and it talks about, You know, obviously, again, it talks about, you know, who I am, what I've done in the past. It has a bunch of, you know, testimonials in there. You know, this is what other people's experiences are. Uh, We walk all the way through the process. So we walk through, you know, finding a realtor, you know, analyzing your needs, obtaining financing, viewing properties, you know, all the way through to here's when you get the keys you know, we talk about pre-qualification we talk about what not to do <laughs> you know don't go buy a truck while we're looking at houses don't buy any furniture none of that stuff uh, we talk through that we talk about what to consider in a neighborhood all those kinds of things and then at the end of that package is where I say now look you know uh, once we walk through all this you know I can't work with every buyer in the market so what I choose to do is work with a limited number of buyers that are going to commit to me just like I'm going to commit to them so you know 24 hours a day, I'm going to be looking for the right house for you guys. And I need you guys to commit to me with the same kind of commitment I'm going to give to you. So we walk through what I'm going to commit to them and what they're going to commit to me. And then we have them sign a a buyer loyalty agreement at that point. They
1: don't sign a buyer agency, they sign a buyer loyalty agreement?
2: Basically, I don't use the standard form you know that we get through our forms from the MLS. I kind of made my own buyer loyalty agreement. It's a little bit more casual, a little less intimidating. And it just kind of says, you know this is what we're gonna do, and this is what it takes to, you know, terminate this. And I say, hey, you know, you can terminate this at any time. All you need to do is call me or email me and tell me why you no longer want to work with me. Give us the chance to have a conversation before you would go and hire another realtor, because you're hiring me right now.
1: So it's a little softer sell.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Currently, do you have a team? I do not right now. I do not. It is it is Wayne all by himself right now.
1: Last year, did you have a team?
2: Last year, I had one full-time buyer's agent, and then um, through part of the year, I had uh, someone that I was training into being a buyer's agent, but they never actually you know, came to fruition.
1: And how many transactions did you close last year?
2: Last year, we closed 92 transactions.
1: Wow, you closed 92 transactions with you and one buyer agent.
2: <laughs> yep. How did you do that? Um, <laughs> a lot of long nights. No, I mean, I think the biggest thing was just systems you know, having checklists for everything and, you know, just just doing it one at a time.
1: What happened? What happened between last year and this year that changed your concept of a team?
2: Well, this year I had some really dramatic changes in my life. At the beginning of this year, I went through a divorce. And that was something, I mean, you know, I had always heard about people talk about going through divorce, and they said, you know, uh, it was so tough, and, you know, my my life kind of went upside down, and I, I, you know, dropped the ball here and this, and, you know, they kind of talked about how hard it was, and I always kind of looked at those people and kind of thought, oh, well, whatever, you know, it, if I ever go through that, I'll be fine. And when I went, was going through my divorce, it was, it was, it was really horrendous. And um, I did not expect it to be that rough, basically. Um, and I did, I dropped the ball on my business. I dropped the ball with my builders. I went through a really, really rough time. And um, basically the, the wheels came off. Um, and at the, at the same time, you know, the market was having a, a big change. So it was, it was really a, a, kind of almost a devastating time for me as I, as I went through that.
1: So you kind of fell into a depression.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I went into basically, you know, I mean, yeah, a full on depression while at the same time fighting for, you know, my, my, my kids and what I've kind of built up. And I really, I mean, I, there's nobody to blame except for me. I really dropped the ball on, uh, on my business. And what happened during that time was my, uh, kind of my, my number one bars agent, <laughs> my one bars agent, um, had really built a better relationship with my builder than I had because I was working hard, you know, getting the leads, putting the business together, all this kind of stuff, but my buyer's agent was the one that was having all this face time with my builder, if that makes sense. So really, you know, my builder saw, saw my buyer's agent as the one that was generating all this business when really it was kind of, it was kind of me doing all the, you know, all the SEO and all the advertising, all, you know, all the stuff to generate these buyers, but yet they were the one that was having the face-to-face time with my builder. So when I went through my my rough time and I wasn't returning phone calls and I mean I just I, I really dropped the ball, they had that relationship and my builder basically hired that person full time and they left my team and with that you know took took his you know 40, 40 listings with them, and uh, and that business that was a real big a real big deal to me. I think you know the biggest thing I learned you know about my builder in that time was how important it is that I maintain that relationship you know. Um, how important it is that, I, that? That I have my team thing. Wayne asked me to do this. Wayne wanted me to call you. Uh, Wayne needs to review this file. You know, having them keep keep inserting that, that this is team and that you know who's you know kind of who's the boss.
1: How many closings have you had this year so far?
2: This year we've only had 35 closings so far.
1: That's still a pretty good year, especially working on your own.
2: It's nowhere where we wanted to be, and you know really. You know during that time I just I dropped the ball on everything and it was a real you know real poor decision on decision on my part you know so going through the divorce, my father had a stroke, lost the builder you know all this kind of stuff is happening so really, just for the past couple months is when I've really started to kind of re reinventing myself and having to learn how to do you know business basically differently than I did before
1: how did you do that? How did you pick yourself up and move forward?
2: Um, <laughs> well, I have a couple of good people in my life that kind of you know, said, you know, we support you. We know you can do this. You're, you know, it kind of just that theme song in the back of my head. You know, and I had some good friends that, that kind of gave me some motivation. But really, I think for me, it was, um, I mean, first of all, I didn't get back up near as fast as, as I as I wanted to. But I think, you know, Diana Kokoska says, motion before emotion. And a lot of it was just doing what I knew I needed to do, even though I didn't feel like doing it. Um, You know, so so making the calls, even though I felt, like I didn't want to do it and doing those kinds of things. And then really going back to what, you know, my big why, why am I doing this? Why do I want to make money? Why do I want to build a successful team? Um, And that was really important for me going back to, okay, I'm doing this for, you know, for my kids, for the legacy I want to leave, for the life I want to have, all that kind of stuff. So that was huge. So, you know, making my dream board, having that in front of me to look at every day and saying, this is why I'm doing this.
1: You just started taking action. Uh, That must've been difficult in the beginning. Did you set yourself a goal that you would make X number of calls or how did you do it?
2: I think what I did was I just kind of sat down and evaluated what I had to do and what I would kind of do every day. And that was, you know, call, you know, call the expires, call the by owners, call through my database. You know, that was kind of the, the basics of it. You know, it was just make those calls every single day. Do you have any
1: other advice for anybody who might be experiencing a similar thing where they've been knocked down for one reason or another? Anything else you could tell them to get back up?
2: I think the big thing is, you know, for me it was really just writing out, you know, kind of my goals and you know, who I was you know, affirmations. And you know, I kinda of, I kinda of took everything and put it together. But, you know, writing out my affirmations, my goals, you know, my past successes, that was that was important for me, you know. You know, my girlfriend tells me every day, you know, you were a rock star. You know, you can do this. <laughs> so, you know, that was really important to me to kind of be able to focus on, okay, you know, I have done this. I have closed, you know, 100 houses a year, you know, basically by myself. I can do this. You know, kind of building my self-confidence back up was really important. So getting people around me that were going to support me and, uh, and doing it was, was really huge. And then I think you know like we talked about just doing it i think was the most important thing you know you've got to just say you know i'm going to be i'm going to be happy with myself if i do these five things every day you know and and i know i'm just going to do these five things every day and if it takes me an hour then then great and i feel i feel okay with myself if it takes me 5 hours i still feel you know it's kind of that goal to meet every day these are the things i'm going to do because i know if i do them every day the business is going to, is going to be there
1: in that goal setting process have you set yourself some big
2: goals <laughs> absolutely. You know, my my goal for this year is to close, you know, another um you know, I think I think we're at you new know, 25 houses for the rest of the year. Um which we'll we'll get to for sure. And then, you know, for next year, we're it's back up to, you know, building my team correct this time and uh, you know, getting back to over 100 over 100. And then within the next 3 years, um my coach and I have set a goal of of doing 70 million by the uh within the next 3 years. So, you know, at year 3 we'll be doing 70 million that year.
1: Why did you pick seventy million?
2: Um, I <laughs> I don't know. That's just the number. That's the number that I've uh, I've I've always kind of kind of been striving for. So that's where we'll that's where we'll get. That's the next step.
1: Uh, did you mention that you have a coach?
2: I do. I do. I've had um, a couple coaches in the past, and right now I have basically two. Kind of a coach and a mentor. The, the two people that I kind of go back and forth to is uh, West Madden, who is one of that that realtor up north, who's now doing a hundred million a year. I work a lot with him, and he kind of says, you know, do this and this and this. And then uh, Tony DeSello, who is a coach with uh, Keller Williams with Maps Coaching, is, is is kind of my mentor and coach as well. And he we talk, um, you know, a couple times a week, and he he continues to to kick my butt and get me back on my uh, on my goals.
1: Do you think that that was helpful this year to have those coaches around while you were going through
2: these challenges? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that was really important. Um, one of the most devastating things was one of the coaches I had had in the past basically, it was really important for him to continue to look good. And he basically dropped me at that point when I was kind of going through these struggles. So that was a real devastating thing to me. So I had to go out and basically find new people, um, new coaches that that would, you know, kind of believe in me and push me along. Because that was really important for me was to having some kind of accountability. And at the same time, someone that says, you know, you can do this.
1: So these two gentlemen, your coach and your mentor, Wes and Tony, uh, they came on this year?
2: Correct. Yeah. Yep within the last couple months here.
1: What drives you?
2: You know, I think what really drives me is my long-term goal. And the best exercise I ever did was I had a coach who, um, I was, I was, I was at a time in my life where I was really struggling Um I was basically on the, this was, and I was basically on the phone saying, you know, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I mean, I was almost in tears saying, I don't know how to, how to keep going on. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm broke. I've, this is devastating. How do I, how do I do this? And um, he said, okay, I want you to sit down I want you to write two letters basically to myself. And and this was probably the most impacting exercise I've ever done. And he sent me out, uh, and I basically went away for for an afternoon. I wrote these two letters, and one letter was, what does my life look like if I succeed? You know, hey, if I if I do, you know, a couple hundred million dollars a year in sales, what does that look like? And it was exciting. You know, it's like it was. You know, I have these. You know, I finally have rental properties. You know, I'm taking great care of my kids. I have the house I want. I'm doing the relief work I want. You know, I'm making the impact I want. And it was, you know, kind of a nice bubbly letter. And uh, you know, this is the car I'm driving. You know, it was it was kind of an exciting letter to write. And then the next letter I wrote was. If I don't succeed, if I don't you know, do what I'm supposed to do every day, if I fail, if I give up, what does that look like? And I wrote that letter, and I was, I was literally in tears as I wrote that letter, and I said, this is what it means to my kids if I fail. This, this, is, this is the life they have if I don't succeed. You know, if I go back to framing or back to something I know, they don't go to this college. You know, they don't have this life. I'm not able to impact, you know, these people in Africa or or in a third world country that I want to help. I'm not able to do this and this and this. And I wrote that letter and I was really detailed in what my life would look like if I gave up and who that would impact. And how devastating that would be on the lives that I hope hope to impact. And um, that letter was huge for me. It was really, um, it really, you know, pulled at my heart and gave me the motivation to, you know, basically, I'm not giving up. I cannot do this to myself and and to my kids and to all these people. I've got to continue going on.
1: Wayne, why are you successful?
2: Well, <laughs> I'm definitely not the uh, not the smartest kid on the block, and I don't get things as fast as everybody. But um, you know, I think the biggest thing is I listen. You know, when someone Says something, I listen to it. I'm very quick to implement, and uh, you know, I just don't give up. You know, I I read that book. You know, talent is not enough, and uh, it was (laughs) kind of inspiring to me because I knew that I was you know that I could do this. I just knew that I wasn't the most talented person in the world. And when I read that book, you know, basically it said work hard enough, focus enough, you know, just keep doing it, and uh, and you'll be successful.
1: Wayne, if you were to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first?
2: The so couple things I would do is one, I would go shadow, you know, find somebody that that could teach me and find someone that I could shadow. So you know, getting a coach right off the bat and going to see someone successful would probably be the most important thing. Number two, you know, really sitting down and saying these are the these are the five or ten things I'm going to do every week, no matter what, to be successful. So not getting lost in trying to do you know the the new thing of the week every week, but really saying these are the ten things I'm going to do every week to be successful. And then, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, about your, it's all about your database. So, you know, feed your database every day and take care of it. Ben Kenny said this a couple weeks ago. He said, knock on 50 doors, call 50 people from the phone book, and write 500 emails. Try to get 1,500 people to say no to you. <laughs> so, you know, basically, you know, keep, keep doing it and you'll, you'll get there.
1: Well, Wayne, you've kept going, even through personal hardship. You're an inspiration to anyone who's experienced personal trauma. You've bounced back, refocused your business, and you used positive emotion to create positive emotion. You've shown your flexibility and willingness to try new business models. Your tenacious ability to follow up with leads and your mastery of scripts and dialogues assures your future success. Thank you again for being our Rising Agent of the Month. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward.
0: You've been listening to the Mastermind Agent, Interview of the Month Club where top agents, rising agents, team members, and guests from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the club interviews at www.mastermindagent.com.